Cars, start your engines! Hit the pace car! What for? Because you hit every other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. He didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you. And rubbing son is racing. Hey race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to Drafting the Circuits. My name is Frank Santoroski, I'll be your host for the next hour as we talk about this past weekend in racing. Joining me in the studio, I've got Richard Uden, Luis Torres, and Christopher DeHardy. Fellas, how we doing? Good, thank you. Pretty well so far. Mm. Hanging in there with a superb mood. Hanging in there. All right. So you're doing about as good as willpower this week. Hanging in there. So uh, let's talk about the weekend racing. We had a we had a nice full slate of racing. We had uh, two IndyCar races. Uh, we had a uh, Formula One, uh, their second race in a row out there in Austria. Um, NASCAR had all three of their national series, as well as ARCA at the Kentucky Speedway. They had a double double header with uh, Xfinity. Um, Parker race, truck race, cup race, uh, lots of action there with no fans. Road America, doubleheader for the IndyCars with fans. Um, Lots of positive feedback from those fans that went. Um, A lot of folks that I talked to on social media went out there. Had a great time. Just felt so good to be able to be at a racetrack. Um, And I was happy to see fans at a racetrack. I mean, you know, mind you, the... The empty stands don't really detract from the television experience watching a race as much as it does, say, watching a you know a basketball game or something like that. Uh, but it was nice to see uh, fans watching a race. So, But uh, that being said, let's talk about the two races we had there. Um, race number one was won by Scott Dixon, who used a nice pit strategy uh, to undercut, get the undercut, and that worked out well for him. And it was his third victory in a row. Now, Christopher... Uh, when you were on with us on the um, our IndyCar uh, preview season preview program, uh, you had mentioned that the addition of uh, Mike Cannon to um, the Ganassi team, being Scott Dixon's race strategist, uh, would guarantee Dixon the championship and make him practically uh, unstoppable. Um, so now with Dixon having won three in a row and then the Ganassi team taking that uh, the fourth win, uh, Felix Rosenquist won race two. Um, do you still stand by your your assertion there? Uh, I sit by it. I'm not standing right now. But, yeah, I absolutely believe that Scott Dixon will still win the championship. Um, Michael Cannon is pretty much a, uh, a, ch- a game shark for uh, those of you in the upper millennial generation for a, uh, for a top-tier driver. And he's an absolute cheat code because – his, he is a very good engineer. It's good to see him finally with a top team. And quite frankly, when you pair him up with Scott Dixon, it's almost not fair. Um, yeah, Dixon has like what a 
after two after four races now he's got like a 54 or something point lead which is he's got a full race full race yeah, lead yeah including bonus points because you get one point for a pole you get one point for a leading lap and i think you get two points for leading the most laps so he literally has an entire race in hand over the rest of the field um so yeah it's, i do still stand by it um and let's face it uh the la- the only uh, Marshall Pruitt actually wrote about this earlier today. The only time that a driver for Chip Ganassi Racing has won three races in a row and not won the championship in that same year was Scott Dixon in 2007. Who did he lose to? Future teammate Dario Franchitti for the championship that year. True. Um, now, yeah, like you said, a cheat code. Yeah, I, I love that. Uh, I love that. Uh that comparison there because you figured, you know, Canada is a master strategist, right? And Dixon is the guy that can, that can take whatever strategy you give him and play it to perfection. I mean, if you need Scott to save fuel, Scott will save more fuel than anybody. You know, if you need Scott to go full on and make up ground in a stint, Scott will go full on. I mean, here's a guy who really understands the strategy part of the race. And some people, like to give Dixon crap and say that, oh, he's won so many races because it's all on fuel saving or fuel strategy or whatnot. But that's all part of the game, and that's why, you know, Dixon <laughs> leads everybody, all the active drivers, and wins. And he's only a few behind passing some dude named Mario on the all-time list. Uh, so, I mean, this, like you said, every this kind driver this, has. Go ahead. Every single driver has the same uh, capability to save fuel if they want to. Um they just haven't learned what Scott did. He learned it at Nazareth Speedway when he was driving for Toyota with their old uh, cart engines. That's how he figured it out. Um, Hell, Tile won my Little League race and I racing uh, a few days ago. But, you know, another thing with Scott Dixon is this. He's, what, just turned 40? And Mario Andretti, I mean, granted, this was a different era. that Drivers raced much later into their lives. Mario Andretti won a race and he was, what, 53, 54 years old? Yeah, Phoenix, Phoenix not, in 93, yep. Yep, Scott Dixon is not done by any stretch of the imagination. I think that if not this year, then probably next season he could pass Mario on that list. And, and this is a question I, that we should probably ask, but where does Scott Dixon figure into the greatest of all time conversation? Uh, this is something that we need to – this is a conversation that should be had because you look at his win total, it is, you know, it's, it's there. I mean, he's won it all. And it's not like he's gone up against, you know, small fields like Richard Petty did when he was in cup, you know, people say, Oh, Kyle Busch's 200 wins aren't legitimate. Um, and that's for cross three series. But you look at Scott Dixon's wins, you know, they are all against top tier, uh, drivers so yeah yes and in, in a very yeah. a very competitive setting yep. you know because you've got so i mean because if you want to look at say like a lewis hamilton in his win total well he's had the the dominant car for for quite some time and you know and so that's i don't know it, i mean you had to put an asterisk next to his name but uh but dixon is competing on against guys that could beat him on a regular basis week in lewis and week hamilton. out to, to be Lewis Hamilton, and this is a funny stat that I saw earlier today. Lewis Hamilton has more wins in his what was it fifteen year career than Ferrari has in the last ten. Ouch! Well, that's Ouch. true. <laughs> 
That uh, are not clowns. That's, that's they are the true. Entire so. circus, but we'll get into that later on. Yeah. yeah, but when we get when we talk about Dixon as he fits into the all-time stat, you're always gonna you're always gonna have the the argument from the old timers that'll tell you the drivers today couldn't hold a candle to guys like Mario and AJ, and because those guys ran on the dirt and those guys raced NASCAR on their off weekends and those guys did this and those guys did that, and they you know Scott they were, Dixon they were won the real big men. Twenty-four hours this year. So yes, they he did. Kindly, yeah, they, yes. so they can kindly shut up. Yes, they can kindly. And, and Dixon and started. And Dixon too, started too. on dirt too. You know what I mean? If he yep. if, Dick, if Dixon wanted to jump into a dirt car, I'm sure, I'm sure that he would do quite well but yeah i mean that's but that's the conversation that you'll get from folks that is oh well he's uh, you know right so that's it's so hard to compare drivers from different eras and blame exclusivity contracts because a lot of like roger penske in his contracts with a lot of drivers straight up said you will not race a sprint car as long as you are on my team thanks gary bettenhausen yeah yeah, so it's also the death of Stefan Beloff really drew ire for Formula One teams to do anything, which is unfortunate too. But in all fairness, you wouldn't let your wife go off and you know date another guy, would you really? Oh, if I, if I was in that situation, definitely no. <laughs> <laughs> you can't blame the team owners for wanting to look after their assets. No, no, you can't blame them all because I mean, how many times have you seen somebody get injured elsewhere? And then, I mean, then, yeah. then, then Jim miss, Clark. miss, huh? Yeah. Jim Clark, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's Tony like Stewart. McLaren. It's like McLaren having a clause on the contract saying that the drivers can't ride motorbikes. Oh wait, yeah. Yeah, isn't that how? Uh, was it Montoya got hurt playing tennis? Montoya broke his shoulder. Yeah, playing broke his shoulder playing tennis. Yeah, because he because he wasn't on you a motorcycle. Yeah, so you're playing tennis if you're trying to ride a motorbike at the same time. All right. So, but but <laughs> but, aside, really aside, anyway, but anyway, anyway, aside that aside is. from Scott Dixon winning yeah. um, three in a row, <laughs> uh, leading and coming into Road America, let's talk about some of the other stories coming out of Road America because uh, both races were very entertaining. I mean, the race one with the pit strategy, and then race number two uh, started out with um, I think somebody uh, compared willpower to a wrecking ball. Uh, somebody else gave him the new yeah. nickname of Wild Bill, but I think he managed to, in the first couple of laps, uh, take out Ryan Hunter Ray, Graham Ray Hall, then get pushed back to the field. He didn't have anybody else to take out right there at the back, so he took out an advertising sign, <laughs> and yeah. then still and still managed to work his way back up to the lead and make yeah, a decent somehow. day out of it. So, I mean, doesn't doesn't everybody have days like that when they're driving to work? You know, I mean, I yes. Yeah. Everything goes, goes right for you. Yeah. Every light is red. So, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah so, but but at the end of the day, I mean, it was Potter Award, who oddly enough, when we were making picks, I picked Potter to win one of these to win the second race because I, I felt like we'd have a first time winner based on the Gee, fact. Thanks, that, Frank. Yeah, and I and I told you I don't know how it's going to register this because as a Hispanic, I don't know. If, I've been waiting for a Hispanic to win one of these major races, but. Well, well Pato certainly about. certainly shown that he's got the uh, potential to do that. So, but Award had a great day, uh, mm-hmm. led from pole. Um, you know, stayed in the in the thick of the hunt all day, led the bulk of the laps. But uh, the the last pit stop, they decided to take uh, scuffed reds, which will probably get you uh, you know several laps of very fast times. I think you know hoping to build a gap, but over time they deteriorate so quick. You know, and Rosenquist took. Uh, 
sticker blacks on uh, the last stint, the slower lap times but longer lasting tires, and that turned out to be the right call at the in, in the final. The waning laps, Yapato had no tires left, and, and Rosenquist was able to, you know, kind of stalk him and um, get on by. Then we even had, uh, you know, Connor Daly, who was lapped down right in the mix, uh, running faster lap times than the leader. So, um, but hats off to Pato and McLaren for, um, for, for putting on a, a great day and a good show. And uh, certainly hats off to Rosenquist. It seemed like his first win is a little overdue uh, to, to see the many really good runs that he's had. And this guy's a future star of the series. Um, Rosenquist is. And again, that's another win for Ganassi right there. So The first win for the 10 team since Fontana 2014. Yes. That's ages ago. I feel, I feel old. We, I feel old when you need to say any, anything from in the mid 20 teens these days but anyway but yeah it's is i describe what you just said he just ran pot around out of tires whereas connor Taylor was sitting fastest lap quite frankly i saw a data board that compared to pato felix and connor connor had like the fastest lap of the whole entire enchilada that's that shows you that even if you're in a position where down and out you still gotta haul it and connor did that but my biggest concern when I was following is thinking, I was thinking, Pato, I hope he's more wise than Robbie Gordon when it comes to lap traffic because that's what cost Robbie Gordon a Sears Point win, worrying about a lap car instead of worrying about his own race. Fortunately, it didn't came down. It just ran out of tires for Pato. But great run for him. He's now, what is he, tied with Pagano a third in the championship trail going to Iowa. you got a lot of youthful in that top ten. Oh, you sure do. Yeah, I believe Colton Hurd is second in points right now. Yeah, uh, mind you, he's, he's yeah a whole whole race a whole race behind Dixon. So, but let's talk about the Dale Coyne team because they had a really nice weekend. And Dale Coyne is a team that we were kind of up in the air about because of the loss of the engineering talent between Craig Hampson and Mike Cannon, both leaving that team to go uh, elsewhere. Uh, <laughs> uh, but um, I, I, Alex Palou podium on day one, sixth mm-hmm. place uh, or, or seventh place on day two. Um, uh, Ferrucci, sixth place both days, so you've got, you know, four top tens in the two races for the two cars there for the team that was supposed to fail now that they don't have their top guys. Um, of course, I've contended that the guys that they have right there work closely with Cannon and, um, and and whatnot so that they've they've learned quite a bit. And uh, a great weekend for the coin team. What do you think, Chris? I like what, um, what they did. Um I think that Ferrucci could have had a top, you know, five easily had he not had that issue with Dalton Kellett. But I mean, you can't blame him for that when it was just one of those unfortunate coming together on pit comings together on pit road. Um, although Pelu really, really impressed me. Um, I figured it would take him a little bit more time to, you know, get used to, but he showed right away that he can absolutely hang with the big boys. Uh, I was really impressed with what he did with his pace and that he, you know, he didn't, he wasn't intimidated by a veteran. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino style games to choose from, you too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a world. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website 
website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Drivers. No, you know that, that supercar or that Super Formula series that it come out of is a pretty solid series. Um, you know, you, you got to be pretty good to, to run well on that. So that was a you know nice hire on, on Dale Coyne's part there. And, you know, and Coyne's got a history of uh, really nice hires. You know, he's uh, he's got a good eye for talent. Um, you know, even even though if that talent comes with money, it, it seems that more often than not, the the money that comes with the talent with Coyne, you know, unlike, say, oh, oh Dalton Kellett, who's got money, but really uh, has proved to be a disappointment in his first three starts with Foyt. And this is Foyt, you know, after showing so much promise in uh, in Texas with Kimball Runner right there near the front. And, and now we're, you know, three, yeah. three, three four I'll races in. And... I'll yeah, Kimball Dick got a top ten, though. Yeah, Kimble. yeah. Kimball got a top ten. That's been the highlight of their, their season so far. And Kellett is – been pretty much last in qualifying and and last on the track you know yeah. only 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 finishing ahead of the guys that dnf'd yeah which is the learning curve he has to get through and accept uh, when you're shit about pain i think and i think that's probably uh, one of the main reasons why he's there not just because he's had some experience but also just bring sponsorship because remember because of the abc supply money going just only to the 500 to my knowledge but he's got plenty of work to do, whereas below, he, he, like Chris said, he really impressed me on that run at Road America because he basically came into the to the common consensus, a virtual unknown, unless you really follow the roots of other forms of racing around the world, then you obviously know below. But for others, this is a first exposure, and I think he definitely made that continuation of the trend of young guys that have something to prove that hadn't gotten an opportunity, like a big-time opportunity like Wickens and Rosequist. Now we've seen that with Pelot. We'll see how he does in Iowa because that's the big one for him on the Ovals. I'm curious to see how he does because we didn't really see much from him at Texas because after what happened with VK or speaking of VK, Pelot is now ahead by eight points in that rookie battle, which is going to get very fierce, especially once Askew gets the skid out of his system and rallies back because it's been a rough couple of weeks for him. Yeah, yeah. By comparison, his you know his teammates setting pole and, and leading laps. So, uh, who's also in that rookie battle as well because he had didn't have enough stars prior to uh, to lose his rookie status. So he's another good contender for rookie of the year. So, but let's talk about some of the uh, let's talk about the Penske team that they, they <laughs> seem to have kind of lost their way this year a little bit. I mean, they've they've as always they've been solid in qualifying, but they've not really been able to turn in. Uh, a solid, solid result. You know, yeah. they, they, they've run near the front, but they, they're nowhere, nowhere close to, uh, you know, dominating any races like we've seen. You know, we saw New Garden um, start from Polar Road America and Stalin in the pits. You know, we've already, we've talked about uh, Powers' little adventures <laughs> in race two. And, and you know, Pagano has been decent this year. Uh, he's had some really good runs, but... Uh, 
poor qualifying starts. Poor qualifying poor starts. Ones. Yeah, real poor ones where he's had to really fight to get up to a decent position, you know. So, I, of course, you gotta you gotta figure going into Iowa. You know, New Garden's probably got that one circled on his calendar. He's won there twice. Ryan Hunter Ray's won there like four times. And Hunter Ray had a good result. He hit the podium and rode American Rose in race one. Um, his race two was ruined by Will Power on the first lap. Um, he had something, the wall. <laughs> yeah. And really, it's, 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 that's one of the things we should bring up Power because, you know, we expect a lot from Will, given that he was the first winner back at Road America when the series came back there. Um, I, I just don't know what happened with them. Um, it, it, it's just, it's just mind blowing that, you know, something like this could happen with Will, but, and then you look at Ray Hall where, you know, he gets hit by Will and then he hits this concrete wall that's sticking out that far from the edge of the track. Uh, that was a danger right there. Uh, I mean, yeah, granted, I know of- that. I know that the wall has to, you know, jet out a little bit so that the safety trucks can go out, but there has to be another way to let the safety trucks get out of there um, because having that wall stick out like that, it destroyed that car. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess it is what it is. You, you wouldn't want them running into the safety trucks. <laughs> so. Yeah, you don't want that to happen. I'm honestly surprised it didn't, they didn't stop the race because if it was NASCAR, well, they'll be quick to throw a red flag like for something like that, but... Fortunately, Graham was okay because that was a hard hit, especially he bounced into Rose Sequest and then just went dart into the wall. And Ray Hall, like Hurdle, having a pretty quiet but solid start to the year, now he goes from fifth to ninth in the championship. That shows you, and that's the thing about that 15-day grind, five races in 15 days or so. You can't really have one bad mulligan because you're going to fall deep into the points, and that's what happened so far with Graham on Sunday. Oh, yeah. Rossi. Yeah, yeah Rossi. Oh, yeah, Rossi. Yeah, so he fi- finally made the podium, right, four races in. But this is this is a guy that, that many people picked in the preseason as their championship favorite. And now he's oh, he's mired 12th, 13th in points. At one so, point, he was behind Marco in points. Oof. Oof. And like, I, I'm sorry, but, like, and I, I'm sorry, but, like, Marco has not been, you know, the standard bearer for Andretti Autosport. And... To have, you know, Ross to be that far down is just—it was such an anomaly. Um, and then you, you, you talk about, you know, Rossi going up. Well, Zach Veach had, I think, a pair of what 16th place finishes. He got—he's now done at what 13th in points now, I think. Yeah. Besides Texas, he's back where he usually is around for Veach. Yeah, the whole Andretti team seems to be, you know, aside from Colton Herta, seems seems to be having a rough bit of a go. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, good on Rossi uh, finally getting to the podium. But it's, it's uh, you know, at this point with, with Dixon, uh, you know, the, the championship for Rossi anyway is out of reach in, in my mind. You know, with, yeah, at this with, moment, uh, he's got at least some laps, which he hasn't done in a year. Yeah, yeah. So uh, now, Richard, you've been quiet, so I'll bring you into the conversation. Uh, I know you had a chance to watch watch, <laughs> watch some of the Road America races. So, uh, so what are <laughs> What are, what, are, what are your thoughts coming? I know you always like to talk about races on a proper racetrack, and I know that you've got – I know that yeah. Road America has to fall right into uh, your wheelhouse of what you consider a oh. proper racetrack. So let's – yes, yeah, let's uh, – let me have some have some of your thoughts before we move on and, and talk about that Formula One race. 
Yeah, I mean, it was. Um, I mean, you, 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 you're watching the second race halfway through, thinking, right, how Scott Dixon going to win this one now? You know. <laughs> but it, you, you've got to give the guys credit. The whole team. I mean, the four. I mean, phenomenal performance. Phenomenal in a sport that is so you know, tightly contested, um, the strategy calls and the, the tactics. I mean, they got lucky in the first race, obviously, with, I think it was Joseph's pit issue. But, you know, we talk about this so many times. It's all about execution. And it's unusual to see a team like Penske, uh, you know, suffer there. But um, great, two, two great races, really, really, really good. And... Um, yeah, you know, you were talking about uh, Graham Rahal's accident. That was a nasty accident. That was... I'm... I, I do worry still to this day about... And and, and Road America is, is a great, what I would call, old-fashioned style circuit. But I do still worry about some of the IndyCar circuits they go to and some of the safety features. Um, I know they've done a hell of a lot of work with the car and the, the aero screen and whatever you want to call it, you know, the cockpit or whatever you want to call it. I think, I think they've done a great job there. But you saw, uh, I think it was Connor Daly in the first race, hurt his arm or his shoulder uh, when he went off. And, I mean, Graham, he's a lucky lad because that could have been a serious impact. And it's just this little bit of jutting out wall. And there's no, there's no, there wasn't even a tyre barrier there, never mind a tech pro barrier or anything like that. You know, that. Ooh, that that's that scared me a little bit when I saw that. Um, you know, obviously the FAA in full one have their categories and standards that they have to the meet for their uh, track safety. And I mean, I imagine that and unfortunately the IndyCar levels aren't quite as uh, quite as high. But um, yeah, that was that was pretty scary. But the racing was great. You know, it was shoulders out, elbows out. You know bit of bumping and banging and grinding. No, I thought it was um, really, really good. Really good show, yeah, especially in comparison to the prior race at the Indy Road Course where Dixon was, what, 23 seconds yeah. ahead at the end, you know, which is, which is you know, it's not, not horrible to see a guy dominate a race, but uh, sometimes you want that little that little close yeah, bump and banging, I mean, you know? You, you still do, yeah, you still do question it in a little bit. And it, I, I, I wouldn't want to say it leaves the sour taste enough, but you, you look at you know, would those results been the way they'd been if they hadn't, uh, you know, the, the, the sort of this, this full course caution thing always ends up changing the 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 effect of the, res, or the result of the race. And it's like, you know, I wouldn't say it's unfair, but it's just unlucky at times, isn't it? And I'm sure for, I'm sure for every race Dixon's won through that sort of scenario, I'm sure he's lost just as many. Uh, yeah, he, yeah, he's, career, yeah, he's, he's yeah. lost a few that way. Yeah, that's that's always been, you know, back back in like the cart days, right? As soon as the yellow flew, you, you went right on a pit road. You know, now they yeah. now they close the pits till they, you know, which you know, which safety wise it makes a lot of sense. You know, close the pits, course, get, yeah. you know, get everyone slowed down, and then then open the pits. But that's that's what sticks guys. That words yeah. that you know that that had just pitted, but behind the curve. So and and, and, and was, it, it, it is what it is. But I, <laughs> I I wouldn't recommend going back to just uh, you know okay, no. the, the the you know by by closing the pit. It, it you know also gives the teams you know time to prepare for the stop. You know because you had yeah, the guys yeah. just coming in. So but yeah, yeah I mean we it's, talked about that last week as well. Like how yeah, it used to yeah. be. Yeah. Oh, it's interesting to see back in the well, back in the before times. I think they got away with it though, didn't they? Ganassi guys in the second, I think it was the second race when they pitted 
Rosenquist and Ericsson at the same time, and Ericsson almost blocked Rosenquist getting out. Of the, I think it, that was the way around, wasn't that? Uh, uh, something like that, yeah. But speaking of Ericsson, Eric, speaking of Ericsson, he fourth place on uh, on race two. Good day for him as well. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. he's a, he's a he's a good solid driver. I've got a lot of time for him. I think he's uh, he's good, and he'll um, he, he'll win races. I don't doubt it. Uh, you know that whole you know you you look at the three big teams, you know, Andretti, Ganassi, and Penske. They've all got guys that will win races and win multiple races. It's uh, yeah, but it was good to see some of the smaller teams up there as well. Well, cer- certainly, yeah. <laughs> ah, well, but but you know, Dale Coyne guy up there, you know, that's that that's yeah. that's always good to see. Yeah, so. I know for sure. Yep. All right, so we're off to Iowa. Two races in Iowa. Two night races: a Friday night, and Saturday night. So, uh, Chris, you want to make some picks for Iowa? Who do you like? Um, it's for me. It's extremely difficult to go against Joseph Newgarden because he's won there uh, in the past. He's led there quite a bit in the past. It's difficult to do it. But yeah, I'll say Newgarden. What the hell? Newgarden sweeps both races. Um, I think Newgarden will win one, and I think um, I don't think I'll go with Dixon for the other. All right, and here's an interesting stat: the two guys on the entry list with the most wins, and that would be Scott Dixon and Will Power, have never won at Iowa. So that would be that would be uh, checking off a box on Dixon's. Uh, Dixon's resume won at Iowa if you if you were to win there. So now Louise, who do you like for Iowa one and Iowa two? Let's see. Iowa number two, I'm going with New Garden, and I think they'll build from it. But I think when it comes to race number one, I feel I I I know history has been against this particular driver when it comes to ovals, whether it's reliability or incidents. I feel like if Colton is going to be a dark horse for this championship, I think a win for him will start off that quest. And I go and we'll hurt a race number one and race number two, Joseph. Okay. Now, Rich, Richard. I don't think there's any dark horses for this championship, is there? <laughs> well, I consider Colton a dark horse because he's just had all these strong wrestling, but quietly, but yet effective. Will Power's a dark horse. The guy in second's a dark horse right now for the championship. <laughs> Um, but no, I don't think you can look past Newgarden. Um, you know, with his, his, his record there, it's pretty impressive. Um, and then you could throw out. I don't. Know, it'd be nice if you had a, you know, a complete. You know, let's say Pado Award actually gets one done. Let's throw that one out there. There you he go. He looked now. good. He looked good, and he looked he, pretty good in Texas, didn't he? He had a, did he have a top five in Texas. Where did he finish in Texas? Uh, he, he, he finished down the order. Uh, Oliver Askew okay. finished ninth at Texas. Well, okay, I knew it was one of those guys had a reasonably strong run out there. But so, yeah, it was good to see him at, uh, at Road America. So yeah, let's, let's see if he carries that momentum on. Yeah, I mean the Schmidt Peterson team, which McLaren is based upon, uh, has some good results at uh, at Iowa. Hinchcliffe won for them a few years back. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna you know go with you guys and say New Garden's gonna win one of these. But I think the other one is gonna be a guy who hasn't won a race in a, in a little while, and, and I'm not going with Marco because he hadn't won a race in a lot of while, even though his he last race. Won in nine years. <laughs> yeah, but his last race win was at Iowa. But I'm gonna I'm gonna say Graham Rahal um, pulls one pulls pulls one of these Iowa races out. Um, I think he's a uh, a bit overdue for a win, and I think that he's. Um, He's, he's, he's in a good mindset this year, and um, the team's given him a pretty good car. So that being said, we will move on to Formula One, where we were in Austria, 
and Lewis Hamilton got win number what? Eight. Uh, 80, eight, something. eight, eighty something, 80, yeah. Four was it? Ever, ever getting ever so close to uh, passing Michael Schumacher. Like seven away to tie him. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was eighty-four then, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, because Schumacher had ninety-one or ninety-two. Ninety-one. Ninety-one. So yeah, so it'd be eighty-four then if it's seven away. Yeah. Yep. No. All right, so so again, the uh, Mercedes looked great, uh, but the the. Ferrari was supposed to have some upgrades, huh. and... Oh, so much for that upgrade. Uh, <laughs> yeah. well, All right, uh, Richard, Richard, take it away. To, uh, talk us through Austria. So, Austria Part 2, or Styrian... Styria, was it? I can't remember the exact... But anyway, the region of Austria where, where Spielberg the track is. Um, yeah, you had a lot of guys, a lot of running on the Friday because it was like a monsoon on the Saturday, and everybody expected the qualifying to be cancelled on Saturday, but uh, they managed to get that in. And it was it was a little bit unfortunate. Everybody got a, a true feel for the pace, and this was part of Ferrari's problem. You know, they're trying to do back to back comparisons, and qualifying is an ideal place to do one of those back to back. So they never got that chance. So they thought, never, never worry, lads. We've got 71 laps tomorrow in the race, so we'll be good. Be able to get some really good data in the race, and you know, whatever you do, just keep it clean. Don't don't do anything silly like hit each other into turn three. Famous um, last words. Exactly. You know, and that's what they did. They uh, and you know, Leclerc is very hard on himself, um, as we've seen in the past in a number of situations, and he openly admits he made a mistake there going into turn three. Um, you know, outbraked himself, putting trying to put the car into a place where he couldn't. He took evasive action to try and avoid Vettel and went up the curb on the inside, and that like launched him into Vettel's rear wing and uh, took both of them out, which was a shame. But uh, going back to qualifying the day before, in the, in the rain, you had a great performance by George Russell and the Williams getting through. I think he qualified 12th and ended up starting the race 11th due to a three-place three place penalty for Claire from uh, passing um, under yellow flags during one of the practice sessions. So... You know, the Williams did really good to get up there, and Latifi had a pretty good qualifying session as well. So they looked, you know, that was the team. They almost made it into Q3. But Hamilton was just dominant in that rain. Uh, you know, he he was he had one of these weird Hamilton weekends at the first week, the first race. He was just off the pace. He just didn't, I don't know, something just didn't click. But this weekend, he was, it was all, all Lewis. He, he clicked. He got into that rhythm. Qualifying, he was impressive. And the race he was just in control of. Um, nobody could, nobody could really challenge him. And uh, you know they bought home one two Mercedes team. And yeah, business as usual really in many many ways. Um, it, it almost looks a little bit as if some of the other teams, Ferrari especially, Red Bull also a little bit. I, I, I'm not sure what's going on. They look as if they've sort of not dropped the ball, but something's missing. You you, you know, you don't think they've unlocked the potential. And it could very well be that they've actually put a lot of effort into what was the 2021 regulations, what's now the 2022 regulations. So it could be that they thought they'll sacrifice one season for better performance in 2021. Now they've ended up sacrificing two seasons, which is unfortunate, but understandable given the current circumstances. Um, so you know that, that Mercedes looks looks very 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 impressive. Um, 
uh, the other big news to come out of the weekend really is that Renault have um, launched a complaint against the Racing Point. Um, they've picked specifically the brake ducts, saying that the the um, Racing Point brake ducts for 2020 are identical to the um, brake ducts from the W10, which was last year's uh, Mercedes Challenger. So, and the, the stewards have agreed to look at it. Um, again, we, we talked about this a little bit in the past, how um, now, the FIA... Now, Lu- Louise, finished. you wanted to you wanted to talk about this a little bit, right? Yeah, a little bit as far as... Here's the thing about Ferrari. It's just, I kind of knew they, I was not going to expect much from them at Austria. Both races, it's the Hungarian where I'm going to be very critical of them. But after the Styrian Grand Prix, like... It's too early to be doing stuff like this. And I know Charles own held himself very accountable with his ad room, but you're, this has gone, this has gone to a point where it's just getting pretty bad with, with Ferrari. When you have, when you're no longer, it's, sure, they're number three, but they're acting like a number six team right now. And I don't, I don't know if it has to do with just they're behind. Of course, with the pandemic happening, I don't, it certainly doesn't help their cause, but they got to, get something fixed because right now if they keep colliding like this or having subpar performances it's not going to help Vettel's stock and I don't think it's going to really help Leclerc's stock as far as him living up to that number one driver moniker that he'll definitely have in 2021 so yeah that in mind and speaking of Renault this is not the first time they're doing something like this I remember a couple years ago they protested the Haas which was Grosjean over something and then they got their wish. They they penalized Grosjean and they gave Sorokin the the measly loan F1 point of his entire career. And as far and with Renault being, I don't know, are they desperate? Are they desperate to be the number four team or number three? Or are they just willing to pro? Are they're afraid that they're not as good as Racing Point? Now what it will be is I I I don't know this is I don't know this for certain, but what typically happens is an engineer will move from one team to another, and they'll turn around and say, hey, you know, so-and-so does this. So it wouldn't surprise me if a racing point engineer has gone to Renault, unemployment, which they're perfectly entitled, you know, it happens a lot of the time, moved around, and said, well, yeah, gosh, dude, we, we basically copied the W10 on everything. And, um, you know, that, I mean, that happened, goodness me, if you go back to 2004, Five, I think it was, or six, when the BAR Honda got suspended for two races because it had the illegal fuel tank. Everybody had an illegal fuel tank. It was just uh, an engineer that used to work for BAR went to Renault, I think it was, and Renault reported into the FIA, and the FIA checked it and found them guilty. So that's a lot of what happens a lot of the time. So it would not surprise me if that isn't sailing, you know, if, if they're not sailing a little bit close to the wing. I mean, you look at the photographs, and they are incredibly similar. The, the detail will be what's going on internally, where there's no photographs available. If in, if the internals of the brake ducts are very, very similar, very similar, then there'll be problems, because you can't achieve... You know, anybody can take a photograph and copy a photograph these days in 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 you know manufacturing rapid prototype manufacturing not mm-hmm. difficult but when you look at the intricacies of the things 
underneath the car. And what's telling, this is the telling part for me. Yes, the racing point is very, very fast this year. And yes, it does look like the W10. But you can't just copy a car. And, but you can't just sort of look, go, oh, look, that Red Bull's really fast. I'm going to copy the front wing. And I'm going to copy the rear wing. And I'm going to copy the side pods and whatever. Because if you do that, you'll be nowhere. What you have to understand is, A, how it works, and B, what the parts of the car that you can't see, how they're working. So how's the suspension geometry work? How do you set the car up? How do you control airflow under the car? How do you control the electrical brake bias systems? All of these things which you need to know to make a car fast and need to understand how the car behaves. Because race cars are like, organic things in many many ways there's so many variables and intricacies on paper something may work but it just doesn't quite work that way so the fact that their car looks similar okay great it looks the same but it's also fast that's the intriguing part of it and that's what's got people up in arms because they are now saying well look, there's bits that is proprietary information that somebody else must know to make that quick certainly now let's uh, let's move on from the protest and let's let's talk about uh, valtteri right so with his mm-hmm. second place uh he's now leading the points two races in um mm-hmm. the word on the street is that he has been offered the, the one-year contract again to, to yep. st- stay on for 2021 he was looking for a longer bit of a contract uh but it looks like he's uh he's going to go ahead and accept the uh the one-year extension but it's early in the year, though, isn't it? Which is it's early in the, the year. Like I say, he, he's leading leading the points here. So, so do we year. do we see a straight up fight between him and Hamilton? Do you think he has the um, you know, the gumption, like um, you know, say uh, say Rosberg did a few years ago to 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 take the, the challenge to Hamilton and win? I just can't see it. As, as much as I'd love it, because just on a personal level, I'd love to see it. But I think Rosberg got under Hamilton's skin and annoyed him and irritated him and made Hamilton lose that championship in 2016. Um, and, you know, Rosberg was a great driver as his, as his Bottas, but they're not on the same level as Hamilton. The only reason Rosberg won 16 was because Hamilton lost it, and, uh, in my opinion, anyway. But I really don't think that Valtteri has that ability to niggle and needle at him and... and, and annoy Hamilton. And I think there's very few people that can. Rosberg, I think Verstappen could. I don't know if Vettel could. I think Ricciardo could. Um, Aaron Burr? Oh, no, wrong Hamilton. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody got it. (laughs) All right, so let's let's talk about Sebastian then, okay? Uh, New story I read yesterday that, uh, you know, Sebastian is maybe mulling over announcing his retirement um, with very few options out there for him, but uh, evidently the Haas F team says, "Oh, we'd be happy to have you come drive for us." Um, well, do you do you He'd see v- v- do you see Vettel making that move? He'd rather retire. Vettel, okay. uh, <laughs> it would not surprise me more and more if Vettel does not go back to Red Bull. Um, I think that for for a number of reasons, he's. I don't think. Firstly, I don't think he'll retire. Secondly. He's still a, a top-tier driver in many, many ways. Um, and 
and this is no disrespect to Alex Albon at all, he's half a second to three quarters of a second of the lap slower than Verstappen. Yeah, he's not making the huge mistakes that Gasly made last year, and he's not out to see. Gasly's, I think, Gasly's faster than Albon, but Albon can handle the pressure a little bit better than Gasly can. Uh, And that's a good observation, I, I agree, yeah. If Red Bull want to win world champion constructors championships, they need two top tier drivers. And unfortunately, of the Red Bull stable at the moment, Albon, Gasly, Kvyat have all proved that they're just not capable of doing it. And I think Vettel would go back there for a relatively small fee. I don't think he'd be. I don't think they'd be having to pay him twenty million dollars a year to drive. Yeah, he's, know, got, he's got uh, some money in the bank, yeah. Exactly. He'll be fine, yeah. You know, so where's the incentive? You know, he knows he's not going to go to Mercedes, who are the other top team. So, you know, if you want to be competitive, that's the only seat available to you. And I think it would appeal to Red Bull. Herbert, Herbert Marco did say something about, oh, it'd be nice to bring Sebastian back to where he belongs, you know, or bring him home or something along those lines. I can see that happening from... You know, Red Bull need two top drivers. They are struggling. And again, this is no disrespect to Albon. But you look at his junior career, it wasn't great. He got the Toro Rosso draft because there was nobody else really available for it. And he got the Red Bull draft because Gasly was, to put it bluntly, shitting himself every time he got in the car. Gasly was ghastly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, all right, so we're on to Hungary. <laughs> We're on to Hungary next, and there's some concern because there's um, a lot of restrictions in there for people coming out of non-European Union countries, which would be anybody from the UK, uh, as well as a few other countries, that they're not allowed to leave the track or leave their hotel um, with the threat of jail time. Uh, so this is just, I don't know if you've read this this little yeah. tidbit, but yeah, there's a little so there's a little concern there. I think some of those folks are going to want to get uh, kind of in and out of there as quickly as possible. Um, but is that is How that to lose co- your Grand Prix in one foul swoop? There you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, so now are we? Is, is that is that this coming weekend or do we have a week off it in is, between? This weekend. Okay. Week so off, yeah. um, so let's talk about the Hungaro Ring. Is uh, it, it produces very processional racing. Um, yep. <laughs> so, uh, so what what can we expect? Just another Hamilton route? I I, I fear so. Yeah, I, I really do. Um, unless you know Verstappen can get something going, he's pretty quick around there. It's probably it's not a power track, so you could you know you maybe you would see um, Verstappen you know up there a little bit more because I still think the Honda's a little bit down on power. You may even see the Ferraris a little bit closer to the front. I'd expect both of them to make Q3 because um, it is, a, you know, as I say, you're not power. It's where power, the whole thing last year with that engine deal is what's causing Ferrari's woes this year. I'm, I'm pretty certain of it. So I expect, but I still, despite all that, I still do expect to see, you know, Hamilton up there and Valtteri that two tenths of a second off and five seconds off at the end of the race. Um, yes, and, 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 and Lando Norris again. Driving his heart out in in a in a car that's a bit off, yeah. So yeah, Lando Norris I mean, is really at, he's been the most exciting guy to watch all year. Oh, I mean, you look at you know the the future of racing, you know, with these you know Leclerc, Norris, 
um, Russell, you know, there's some great young kids coming through right now. It, 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 I mean, and Max Verstappen, he's not exactly old, is he? Um, but, you know, those three or four guys, you know, we're going to be talking about them for 15, 20 years. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a great, great prospect for the future of the sport. Certainly, certainly. So so you're going with Hamilton. Christopher uh, Luis, who got somebody's got to, yeah. You guys care to pick a win, winner for the Hungara ring? I think it's going to be Hamilton, but I think Verstappen should be there a little bit more closer. I just checked the margin, 17 seconds. I don't think it's going to be 17. I think it's going to be a little bit more closer than that, but I, I think it's going to go to Hamilton for this one, but not in a dominant way. To say okay, so so Hamilton by 10 seconds. Gotcha. All right, yep, Chris, Christopher. <laughs> I'll say both of us. And, and Chris, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to say I'm going to say Bottas wants to take this fight to Hamilton. This is, uh, uh, you know, he, he's uh, leading the points, and he doesn't want to doesn't want to you know go down from there. So, uh, all right. So, Kentucky hosted uh, NASCAR uh, all the series. Um, the Xfinity's had a doubleheader. Both of those were won by Austin Cindric. Um and Austin Cindric's an interesting guy. I I, I followed Austin's career. Just because uh, Austin's dad, Tim Strick, who's the president of Penske Racing, is um, um, Austin, Austin's a bit. Uh, I'm a bit friendly with uh, Tim Sindrick, so we we talk a little bit here and there. Um, and it's interesting because Austin started out his career in like Bandoleros, uh, which would have been like you know take him on a circle track career. But then he did skip Barber, and he ran Formula 2000 for a couple of years. Ran for uh, Michael Andretti. Ran for Augie Pabst. And then switch gears uh, to run NASCAR trucks, and then work his way into Xfinity. Um, but but interesting enough, I was reading a couple quotes from Austin, and these were from a few years ago. And he had had said that his you know lifelong ambition is to race in the Indy 500, and his uh, favorite race is the Indy 500. But he but he soon realized that his path through the Indy 500 was going to have to go through NASCAR. And I, I was actually reading that, you know, on the on the heel of him winning the back-to-back races and wondering, what is he thinking? <laughs> now, now, <laughs> now, now, Chris, um, you still with us, or did you step away? Uh, I'm still here, but I didn't watch any uh, NASCAR races during the weekend. Right, but we're, we're talking about Austin Cindric and, and his early career and his uh, thought that uh, his NASCAR career would lead into the Indy 500 so uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't agree with the logic um, if you wanted to go through the 500 you should go through the road to Indy um, the fact of the matter is that going to Indy the Indianapolis 500 you need to go through open wheel um, and going through you know going through NASCAR it doesn't it doesn't make sense I mean the only the only way the disciplines cross over is if you go from open wheel to NASCAR is if you're going through like USAC because USAC is a good training ground for NASCAR Certainly, yeah. So I, I don't know what Austin Cindric's thinking, but at the end of the day, his Xfinity career got a huge boost by taking back-to-back wins at Kentucky. And Kentucky, with the with the package uh, that they're running, has produced some snoozer races. You know, it's hard to uh, once you know, once the leader gets in the clean air, it's hard to pass. It's hard to pass that leader. And uh, we've seen, you know, I recently a couple of years ago, you know, Truex. Uh, winning by a large margin a few years ago, and and the, some of the races have been snoozers, but the Cup race itself was pretty much a snoozer for most of it until we had a couple of green white checkers at the end there and cautions to bump the field. And Louise, 
you can fill us in on what happened there. Well, well, because it was because it was yeah, pretty fun. Let's talk about it. Yeah, it was definitely fun because I was thinking, okay, you have Harvick, you have Truex, you have the usuals out there, and then out of nowhere, with there was some help by Matt Benedetto, Cole Custer just decided to go. Now I'm going, I'm going to go thrive through it, go to the outside four wide, and ha- send the mail. And what he did there was like, no, wait a minute, this guy. This afterthought rookie, because that's what he's been all year. Sure, he got a top five at Indy last week. This guy's just made it four wide and won the darn thing at a, tri- yeah, a car. Yeah, he, and a he track. took took the took the longest way around and won the thing. I was thinking, how did this? He just came from out of nowhere. Because when you're looking in that rookie class, you're thinking probably Reddick may have the best chance of winning. Custer, sure, he got Stuart Haas power, but. Aside from Harvick, Stewart, and Eric Amarola now, Stuart Haas has been kind of there. There's their team that's just underwhelming, but now he's got a win from out of nowhere and becomes the 33rd driver to win in all three national touring series and the third youngest to accomplish it in that span of time. And I read a stat earlier. It might even have been you that posted it that uh, that all of the – no, Stuart Haas posted They said all of their drivers have won in all three. Yep. All their drivers yeah, that have true. won in all, all three national series. Mm-hmm. So which is yeah, which is you know, hey, good for Stuart Haas there, but uh, yeah, but so that that kind of shakes up the um, the playoff the playoff and, picture because so now year. now you got a guy who's 20th in points, right? Who's guaranteed a spot in there, and, and you got guys like oh Kyle Busch, who's uh, I think he's 11th or 12th in points, and um, you know he's. Benedetto or Reddick and Jones, you've got so many guys now have to be stronger, stronger than ever. Because remember, if Custer ends up being the only rookie winning, he locks up rookie of the year by default because that's it's based on most points now for the last couple of years, not a special format where it used to be 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, etc. So easily he could steal, he might have, he could have, depending on how this next couple months goes. He probably might have stole rookie of the year from Reddick because of the current system that they go by. Yeah, well, I mean, well, winning a race always helps. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, lucky or not, right place, right time. Yeah, because he was, you know, he was he wasn't a factor all day long. You know, it's not no. like he not like he led a bunch of laps. He was right place, right time on the on the green white checker. Yeah, and, and it's not um, a rookie friendly track either. No, it's not. No, it's not. As a matter of fact, the highest, has any ever been won top ten by a rookie? Else yeah, Eric Jones, a couple yeah. years ago. And the sad thing about Custer winning, if there's one sad thing about it, is that All Star scheme is now going to have the LED lighting. Oh my goodness! This, this, if you haven't looked at the scheme, Bob, do the cars have lights, Bob? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure Bob's got a lot of those questions too. But okay, so all right, all right, I'm trying to follow you. So you said the sad thing about Custer winning is that, that the All Star race, team. the cars are going to have lights. No, the number placement. Just look at the paint scheme and the number placement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What does that have to do with Custer winning? Now, now we got Now I have to. Now I got to go see that for the whole entire race. I'm not crazy about the number placement of the Stuart Haas cars. If they lower it down to center or maybe, I don't know, make it a little bit more aesthetically pleasing, I'll live with it. Like Ryan Priest and Martin Truex Jr., perfect example of where the number placement and sponsorship goes. I like it. I'm not too crazy about the number placements of the all-star race. I'm glad I'm okay with them willing to try it, but, man, 
could have they have picked a nicer scheme or a nicer execution of it for Custer? Uh, Custer put on a great show at the very end. Don't get me wrong, but that all-star scheme is an eyesore. <laughs> and that thing okay. under the lights. Ugh. Ugh. Just, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the cars with the neons underneath them. Hey, I'm oh, looking to. They look bounce up and down as well when the music plays. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like this to be, but obviously. Oh, God, oh. Oh yeah, but we yeah, we are on to the All Star race, right? So uh, it's gonna be Bristol. And and Louise, what's the format for that? Are there some tweaks to the format? Yes, there is. Uh, during restarts, before the green flag, they have a choose cone for those short trackers. That makes Matt Weaver ecstatic, and, and Jeff Gluck submit the fact that that thing's gonna happen. But anyways, a choose cone is a short track concept where the leader. Gets to choose whichever lane, and then it's up to the other drivers. If I recall, they choose wherever lane. So, say a driver 12 wants to gain track position, and, and they see that the inside groove is not working, they could go to the inside groove and go from, like, 12 to second or wherever. So, they get to pick their lane choice. All of them get to pick. It's not just, like, the leader chooses one lane and everybody follows. And also, like we talked about, so they're going to have the – neon lights and also test out the number placement outside of the center door so that's about the big things coming out of it and of course it's at bristol instead of charlotte yeah so now richard you've been uh you've been in and around the world of nascar um now bristol used to be one of the most exciting races on the calendar but uh you know in in recent years it's not quite had the oomph that it once once did um you, you know what i mean it's it's oh yeah and they've kind of you know with the last you know the, the last couple things they've done to the track and and the layout they've kind of ripped the heart and soul of what the old bristol used to be like so but what are your thoughts about uh, utilizing bristol for the all-star race uh, you know it's and i and i understand the why and, and the why is yeah. because tennessee uh, is open to having spectators, and this is a perfect opportunity to let 30,000 fans go to the race because there are 150,000 seats and there's plenty of room to social distance those fans and treat fans to a to a race. Um, so yep. I understand why they're going to Bristol, but I mean, but but Bristol for the All Star race? What do you think? I think uh, it, to, to kind of phrase, they're flogging a dead horse there. Um, I think that the way that short track racing works needs to be changed before places like Bristol and Martinsville get, get back to um, where they were. Um, I, I, I think that in in some ways adding this, I don't know if they're doing it this week, uh, but the traction compound, I know that was, you know, that I think it started at Bristol, didn't it? It was one of the first places they put it. Uh, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but, you know, they're trying to create because they don't want processional racing. But the problem is, when you've got two grooves, when you have processional racing, there's only one way to get in front of the guy in front of you, past the guy in front of you. You move him. You don't need to now. You know, you can you can just sit there. And, you know, that's why everybody loves the short tracks, you know. was for the bumping and banging and the knocking of radiator, you know, knock a radiator out. And, you know, you'd, you'd put planks of wood in your rear fender to, to stiffen them up and all this sort of stuff. And you'd, I mean, we used to do all sorts of stuff with the radiators to stop the radiators from, you know, breaking and, uh, you know, cooking the engine and what have you. So, you know, they need to do stuff like that. You know, maybe maybe look at the braking, the brake package as well. You know, make everybody's like, oh, well, you know, you, you need long braking zones for overtaking. I don't think you do. You know, I think if you give them, 
if you give him a car that won't necessarily turn as well naturally on the banking and give them, you know, give them a little bit more aggressive brakes that maybe fade a little bit more, or you know, look at the tire compounds. Um, there's stuff they can do, but the, the, they just seem reluctant to do it. I think, um, and it's a shame, you know, as I say. Bristol, you know, I know the Bristol night race used to sell out in like a day or two, didn't it, for 130 uh, Yeah, yeah, it, it, used to, it used to be one of the hardest tickets to get in racing. Now, now, now yeah. Now I don't think they, they're, they're going to be worrying about social distancing, though, let's put it that way. You know, I mean, I was there oh, two or three years ago, and it wasn't even half full. You know, it's very, very disappointing to see. Um And it's partly the economy, and it's partly lots of other things, but um, they need to, you know... Bristol's an iconic track, and they need to do something to to, to, to bring back entertaining racing there because it's with the two grooves, it just doesn't do anything. You know, you need, you know, you need to be. I'm not saying you need to know do what uh, was it Daryl Waldrop didn't split his car into, but you need to do something. You need to. Yeah, I don't know. You need something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you remember the, you know, the Bristol races from the '70s through the '90s and into the early 2000s was, you know, again, like I said, it was the hottest ticket in racing, and it was, and then night race especially was so much fun, and there were so oh, many yeah. wild and crazy finishes. Golly, I remember Terry Labonte in Winter Circle with his uh, whole front of his car smashed up and the radiator spewing steam as he's as he's, uh, you know, down on the Gatorade and celebrating the win. It had that yep. big game feel, like a big college football great iron feel back in the day and that's when i look back at the older races i just felt like that vibe was there now and i agree with richard i gotta do something some things who knows how the all-star race will pan out i thought the one that we had about a couple months ago wasn't that bad one of the more better ones in recent memory but we're talking about a night race at bristol we got to see how it unfolds with that kind of format and see how it goes that's all i gotta say about that all-star race coming up all right, so All-Star Race. Actually, by the time the show airs, the All-Star Race will be said and done, but we'll talk about it next week. But uh, till then, we are out of time. So I want to thank you, Christopher and Richard and Louise. Appreciate talking to you guys. I want to thank Hoobazoo Radio Network. I want to thank iHeartRadio, Speaker, and Google Podcasts. And I want to thank all you folks that tune in and listen to us. Until next week, good night. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.